Hello, and welcome back to a new season of the Sky U Podcast by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, Go AU Fur. With me this week is Andy, GopherGuy05. Hello, everyone. All right, so this is episode one of season three. Uh, we typically just kind of view our season as starting in July, and this is the first Sky U Podcast of July. So welcome back. Thank you for listening. Uh, we are going to focus very heavily on media days today, a little bit on football expectations, and round out with some of the other great stuff going on in the Gopher universe. You maybe uh, have noticed that only Andy said hello. Uh, the rest of our fearless uh, kind of podcast group is out and about enjoying the, the United States uh, with their summer times. But specifically, Blake, Iowa Gopher, will be at Big Ten Media Days tomorrow and Friday getting us all the great content, interviews with the Gopher players in attendance, and uh, perhaps even ending up on Big Ten Network with a question on during Flex uh, press conference like he did last year. So keep an eye out for that, our fearless, uh, intrepid reporter in the field. Uh, I, I mean, Andy, Big Ten Media Days, I'd like to pretend we're in the SEC and it's the biggest thing ever, but it is not a small event. It's, you know, it's a it's a... A thing we all care about, at least slightly. I am the one who apparently cares more than anyone else that Nebraska continues to get hyped. Uh, the coaches poll, sorry, the media poll, which is not official. It's not officially put out by the Big Ten, but Cleveland.com has run the thing, I don't know, since before the internet, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, there were way too many media members who think Nebraska are going to win the Big Ten West. And it really annoys the ever-loving crap out of me. What were your takes on the media, you know, preseason hype? Yeah, you know, it, it just shows that the, uh, the the preseason hysteria of Nebraska is continuing. Um, you had Tim Brando, who had him as one of his t- their top ten teams in the country, you know, just a couple weeks ago. And, and uh, the odds came out in Vegas that Nebraska was something like six to one to make the college football playoff, which is just absolutely idiotic considering they're a team that went four and 12 last year. And while they'll be improved, they aren't going to be that much improved. Um, yeah, no, the, it was basically sort of a, a dead heat between Nebraska and Iowa at the top of the, uh, the big 10 West for between the media. They both had, I think 14, uh, first place votes, but Nebraska was ranked on top because, they had uh, more votes uh, putting them second uh, rather than, than third compared to Iowa. Um, you know, I, I, I do think Nebraska will be improved, but if Nebraska wins the Big Ten West, I think you're going to have a serious case of underachievement from Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, probably even you could put Northwestern in that group. Um, frankly, Nebraska probably should finish third or fourth, um, but really this is... I'll say it's Iowa's conference to lose. Um, they have the best, you know, offensive core probably returning. Minnesota is very close as well, um, but Nate Stanley gives Iowa a big step up over over the Gophers in that situation. Um, they they lose quite a bit on defense though, whereas Minnesota um, they have some holes on defense, but they're bringing back a lot of good talent as well. Um, you know, Wisconsin loses a lot. It'll depend on what they get from their quarterback play. Um, you know, Nebraska has a, has a quarterback who's shown success. So that's one of the reasons why they're getting a lot of, a lot of attention, but their defense was abysmal last year. Um, well, go for game, not, not excluded. Um, and, and, you know, 
Scott Frost is getting some more talent in there, but it's just it's good. It's it's not going to be quite enough to make a big run yet. So um, you're just seeing overhyping and, and the fact that what he did at UCF, he turned it around pretty quick. But I don't think there's any way he's going to turn Nebraska around that quickly. Um, you know, I think uh, if you looked at the rankings, Minnesota came out with an average point total to put them sixth in the West. Um, that I think is a bit low, as we'd all say. Now, granted, we're all we're all pretty homers and things like that. But I think Chip Chip Scoggins in a tweet had the best reaction to it. Basically, said, you know, the Big Ten West is pretty much going to be a wide open crapshoot, and everybody said this all along. Anybody but Illinois has a realistic chance to potentially win it and potentially be an Indy in December. It's all going to depend on energy on injuries it's all going to depend on on the performance teams get from unknown players in minnesota's case most definitely that would be which quarterback or if both quarterbacks step up and make an impact um and and who can execute down the stretch and take care of those divisional games um you know minnesota definitely has a a bit of advantage compared to a lot of the other teams when it comes to the uh crossover games against the Big Ten East, um, but they're going to have to take care of business against the Wisconsins, the Iowas, the Nebraskas, the Northwesterns, the Purdue's of the world. So those are the games that will determine uh, who gets to go to Indy and, and who's stuck playing for uh, a trip to Nashville in December. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think Iowa is the team to beat. If I had to put together a, a seven, one through seven on the Big Ten West, I'd go Iowa number one. I think you. I would be fine with uh, any combination <laughs> or any choice from Wisconsin, Northwestern, Purdue, or Minnesota uh, in the two spot. I mean, I would probably slot Minnesota two or three personally. Uh, a little bit. Uh, just depends on if I feel like being a homer or uh, slightly more realistic. I mean, if I suppose if I was being really realistic and in terms of like keeping my expectations down, I'd probably slot them four. Um, and you know, Nebraska, I don't know. I, I think four is the about as high as I'd slot them. I, I don't think what I love is like, I, I, you know, I put a very sarcastic tweet out with my post today and a lot of Nebraska fans jumped in the mentions, of course. And most of the logic was, well, didn't we beat you by a bunch? And I'm like, that doesn't really address you winning the Big Ten. That just means you beat Minnesota by a bunch against a Rob Smith coach defense. That's congratulations. You should feel good about that win. It was your first of the season. I'm glad it made you happy. But it doesn't do anything to say that you can win the uh, sorry the division. Um, I just think they'll do what they did last year, which is be good offensively, be not as good defensively, and frankly. All that's all that means is if any other team, you know, is able to just keep their own offense in check slightly, that's coin flip games that they may not win. And I, I don't know. I just don't see it. It just feels like a lot of wasted hype. Um, and if you're going to waste hype, just do it on Wisconsin. That's at least you know normal. Like we can all understand that. There's Barry Alvarez. You know, he made his deal with the devil. I think unmerited hype is 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 really Wisconsin's thing. Um, all right. Well, what the, you know, the preseason polls are not the, for the teams are not the only thing that cleveland.com does. They also like to get kind of a preseason, uh, all big 10, uh, put together for offense and defense. They don't go position by position. They really just more look at, um, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year. And of course, you know, enough different players are nominated that you get kind of, a, in, in a sense, almost like a, an all-Big Ten team for each side. 
defensively, Carter Coughlin was on that list. Um, wasn't super high up it, but you know, I wouldn't. Is as impressive as he was, I wouldn't say he's coming in with a ton of hype to be defensive player of the year. I don't think that's a big deal. Notably absent on the offensive side of the ball, though, was Tyler Johnson, who, I mean, arguably is the best wide receiver in the Big Ten. Um, Rondell Moore is flashier. Um, I'm blanking on the Ohio State receiver. Uh, Paris something, is that right? Why am I blank? Correct me here. I'm, I'm totally, totally... Also blanking completely on him, trying to find his name here. All right, interchangeable, super talented dude that Ohio State has in their receiving core um, would be your other argument for best receiver in the Big Ten. But basically, the fact that you don't have Tyler Johnson on that list, Andy, is just a little bit silly, honestly, right? Well, it kind of is, especially when you look. A couple of the voters gave third-place votes to offensive linemen. It's like, okay, I know... You're probably your hometown dude giving you a shout-out to, you know, Tyler B. it is from Wisconsin and Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. But it's like, come on. If you're looking, everybody's all over Jonathan Taylor. That makes sense. Jonathan Taylor has got to be one of the top five favorites for the Heisman. He's unbelievable. We know he's good. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah, Rondale Moore is still getting a lot of the hype. And then, yeah, Shea Patterson, Adrian Martinez, J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. Justin Fields hasn't thrown a ball yet in college, but yet he's already ranked number fifth on that list. Um, and then Brian Lewerke got frickin' two votes. Are you kidding me? You're gonna tell me that Brian Lewerke got two votes and Tyler Johnson didn't get one. I'm sorry, but, you know, and, and this is where, you know what, we need, and, 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 you know, as much as we joke about the Twin Cities media, stuff like that, Marcus Fuller, why, why aren't you giving us a sh- Tyler shout-out on this? If you voted in this, which I'm assuming you probably did, you telling me you couldn't find Tyler a third place vote, um, but and the, the hard part is is that if I'm honest, I don't think he's one of the top three offensive players in the conference. Like top five, maybe, but I don't. I I wouldn't honestly be able to say he's like the third place vote. And so I'm guessing I'm, I'm assuming Marcus had a vote, and I'm guessing that's where he came down. He was just honest and didn't do it. Whereas all these other. Like, you've just got voters from the hometown papers for a whole bunch of these teams who will completely sell out and go homer. And that's just not a, it's just not a Twin Cities media thing to do. They just won't do it. Um. I mean, there, there were five quarterbacks on the list. That means five different quarterbacks got votes determined that they're going to be one of the top three players in the Big Ten Conference. Oh, preseason rankings. This is, I mean... Let's be honest. These preseason things are are completely ridiculous. And if you if you're a person listening to this and you're like, "Oh goodness, you're 11 minutes into the podcast and you're still talking about preseason things. Those are pointless." I mean, you're not wrong. You're you're not wrong. It, it's also mid-July and we need content. Well, and it's the Big 10 Media Days. Until somebody says something stupid tomorrow in the in the uh press conference section i mean this is this is this is your big 10 media hype is to to argue about uh these rankings which is why they get done frankly i mean they're they're fun to talk about so but yeah no they're inherently ridiculous because there's a lot of homerism and sadly just not enough uh homerism in minnesota which what else is new 
But yeah, taking a look, uh, just going down the defensive list. Uh, yeah, Coughlin finished eighth with four four points, four votes. It looks like I'm assuming it's a, a three points for first place, two for second, one for first. I, I don't know exactly. But um, the names at the top are the names you expect to see. Chase Young, DN from Ohio State, uh, took it five more points, but only eight first place votes. Uh, AJ Espinisa, the Iowa defensive end, who's got just incredible raw talent, but... Seems to lack that mode or whatever. He came in second. Kenny Willick is Michigan State DN third. Um, and then, honestly, a whole bunch of players who aren't, aren't as widely noted. Uh, Patty Fisher, linebacker from Northwestern. Gross Matos, DN Penn State. Joe Baki, Michigan State linebacker. Um, Coughlin beat out, beat out Josh Matillas from Michigan. Micah Parsons, Penn State. So, you know, I, I think Coughlin is probably realistically getting um, about the point he deserves. But, um, you know, you just hope he, he continues to blow up this year and, and play up to his potential. But, uh, yeah, the fact that Carter Coughlin can get four points and, and Tyler Johnson can't get a single one when you look at some of the names on the list is still, you know, a bit, a bit laughable. But, um, you know, I'll always, I'll always take being, at least in our current state, I'll always take Minnesota being the underdog and coming up surprising rather than Minnesota being the favorite to do anything and then and then falling flat. So um, if they want to they wanna underestimate Coughlin, they want to underestimate Tyler Johnson, that's fine by me. We'll, uh, we'll burn you guys all year long. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I, I, and the thing is, is it's honestly, for me, it's more about, because Minnesota fans get so... And, and for, in this regard, I'm speaking generalized about Minnesota sports fans in general. They do not react well to preseason expectations not being met. There is, oh my goodness, it just, I'm, I know this is true of other fan bases, but it's just, uh, there's something special about the way Minnesota fans will go after it. Um, and so, you know, if you keep the preseason expectations low, it, it tends to, to work, work a little more smoothly later in the year if things take a bump, um, which I do want to talk about, but we should probably just note for everyone, uh, you know, this is being recorded Wednesday night. You'll have this uh, in your podcast players, your favorite uh, uh, podcast player. If you're not subscribing, this is the time where I plug. Please uh, follow us on Apple Music or your other favorite podcast venues. Um but uh, we should probably quickly plug uh, what the schedule is for tomorrow and when P.J. Fleck is going to be talking. So if you're not familiar with Big Ten Media Days, it's two days long. Uh, all afternoon, well, sorry, Thursday afternoon is the press conferences for half the coaches. Uh, then Friday morning is the press conference for the uh, press conferences for the other half of the coaches, and then they mix in um, interview. You know, uh, bring bring media by the tables for interviews with the various uh, player representatives and and uh, coaches. Um, PJ Fleck is going to be speaking at 1 p.m. Central. Uh, you should be able to get that uh, live on Big Ten Network um, and on BTN to go. It's important that these are uh, approximate times. If every other coach in front of him speaks for like two minutes, he is going to start ahead of 1 p.m. Central time. So just keep that in mind. But the order tomorrow is uh, Delaney, Commissioner Delaney, outgoing Commissioner Delaney, in case you, anyone's forgotten, he will not be commissioner after the end of this year. Uh, starts at 12, uh, sorry, 11.15 Central. Uh, 11.45, we get to hear from a Big Ten Network president whose last name is McGillicuddy, which makes me smile, but I don't know why he's going to talk. Uh, at noon, Scott Frost of Nebraska. 
Uh, clearly, Big Ten Network has heard about the hype. They put him first. Uh, then we get Lovey Smith at 12.15. Congratulations, uh, that'll be boring. Uh, at 12.30, we've got Mark D'Antonio, and he'll just scowl a lot. 12.45, Tom Allen of Indiana. I've actually never heard him speak. Uh, then we got P.J. Fleck at 1. 1.15 is Mike Loxley of Maryland. Um, I don't know how he is on the mic. We'll find out, I guess. And at 1.30, we've got Ryan Day of Ohio State. On Friday, uh, Kirk Ferentz opens it all up, uh, followed by Jeff Brom of Purdue at 8.15 in the morning. Uh, that's important. It's early for all you central people uh, on, on Friday. Uh, then James Franklin, Pat Fitzgerald, Paul Christ, Chris Ash, and they end with Jim Harbaugh at uh, 9.30 in the morning. So, you know, he'll not wear a suit, I'm assuming. Has he worn a suit to any of these things before? No, he usually just wears the, uh, the polo and the khakis. And the hat. He wears the hat still, too, oh, right? And, and I feel sorry for the various media members, including Iowa Gopher, who have to sit through Kirk Ferentz first thing in the morning at 8 a.m. They better have a lot of coffee going on there because that's going to be just a snooze right there. Yeah, they really should have opened with Pat Fitzgerald, I feel like. Oh. And I, I do appreciate Harbaugh's the anchor guy because we all know Harbaugh will just sort of give short two-second answers to everything. So when they're running really late, they can you know make sure that... Uh, to get everything back caught up on time. And um, what, one of the things we shouldn't forget when we're talking about media days, um, it'll be at the, the Friday luncheon, um, is that the, the keynote speaker, they always have one player give a keynote address uh, on behalf of all the players. And, and this year it's uh, Gophers' Casey O'Brien, which uh, if you somehow have been living under a curtain and don't know Casey O'Brien's story, um, O'Brien has had cancer, I think, four times, and, and it's beaten it four times, and uh, he's he's technically a holder on the Gopher roster. Um, probably, legitimately, we'll never actually see action, but he's, he's basically just a, a, a huge locker room guy and a huge spark, and P.J. Fleck loves him, and um, he's the son of uh, former Gopher assistant Dan O'Brien, who I think now is the, the head coach at St. Thomas Academy. Um, but, but Casey O'Brien, it should be a really good speech. Uh, David Blau from Purdue gave the speech last year and, and everybody who heard it said it was one of the best things, uh, a lot of people have ever heard. He was doing a great job and I, I have no doubt that, uh, that Casey will do just as good of a job this year. So, um, I'm not sure whether that will actually be broadcast live on BTN Friday or not, but I'm sure it'll be all over YouTube and all over the internet and we'll definitely, uh, We'll definitely tweet it out and put a link to it on the website when we get a chance to do that on Friday. All right. You, 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 went, you went uplifting. I'm going to take us down a minute, possibly. Depends, depends what kind of mood we're both in, I guess. Expectations. Expectations for 2019. Let's play that expectations game. What, what do you want to make of this season? Like, we've got a lot of returning players. A number of them are talented. The schedule is about as favorable as it can be. There's a lot of toss-up games, which could go very poorly, obviously, if you get the wrong side of that coin. But, I mean, in general, a lot of toss-up games uh, in a favorable schedule on the Big Ten is really a good thing. It's not something to be looked down upon. Um, You've got various... Preseason publications looking very highly on players like Tyler Johnson, uh, players like Carter Coughlin. You've got 
uh, Daniel Falele coming in as one of Bruce Feldman's top, he's like, what was he, number 11 in the freaks list that Feldman likes to throw out for really uh, athletic and uh, physically imposing players. And you've got, uh, although I have, I've never really put any stock in the FBI because, I don't know, I just think ESPN likes to meddle with things that don't always look like everybody else's. But, you know, ESPN's FBI says we're going to go 10 and 12, 10 and 2, which seems wildly optimistic. But, you know, there's a computer model out there that thinks Minnesota's going to go 10 and 2 in the preseason. What do we do with that? Like, what are you going to do with that, Andy? Are you, are you going to just keep expectations low or are you buying into a little bit of optimism? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple different ways you can look at this. I mean, I think there's the what Minnesota always does, which is sort of you want to be realistic and sell low so you're not upset at the end of the year. Um, I think there's the, you know, you can look at it and sell high and go, okay, well, we need to see major improvements and with the schedule and the players, this is something that's going to happen. And then there's the middle ground. You know, I I, I think looking at the schedule and, and seeing what Minnesota returns, that I think if the Gophers can't win, I'll say the absolute bare minimum is seven games. And that's like if we go six and six, we have to have some serious discussions about the direction of the program. I think seven and five, while PJ will get a lot of heat, I think, you know, you're still at least making improvements. Uh, it's a step up. I think eight and four is probably a realistic baseline. Um, if I had to make my prediction right now, that's what I would be leaning towards. Um, and then it's just a matter of, of seeing if you can steal a couple games that, you know, you'll be in 50-50 games and taking advantage. Um, you know, I think there's a couple of big question marks that's going to determine whether this team goes 6-6 six and six or whether it goes 9-3. and three. Number one, obviously, is what we've been saying for years and years and years is quarterback. If Zach Anikstad or Taylor Morgan can step up, win the job, and compete at a average to slightly above average Big Ten quarterback level, then you take this running back stable and this wide receiver stable and this tight end stable that this Gopher team has, and this offense could be scary. If neither one of them wants to take the reins and you can't trust them to throw a deep ball, negating half of your wide receiver's abilities and or we get into injury issues, then things could turn down in a hurry. Um, so there's a lot of unknowns. You know, I, I you know, I, I'd like to say that if everything turns out right, that yeah, we could be looking at a 9-3 and three or even a 10-2 and two season, but that's going to take, you know, beating some teams that we have not consistently beat for a long time this year. Um, we haven't beat Iowa in a few years. You know, we got our one win in Wisconsin in 15 years. Can we do make it two in a row? Um, can you beat up on a crossover schedule that includes a Maryland team that you've sort of struggled against, especially with Antoine Winfield's injuries, a Rutgers team that you need to beat? Um, you know, can you take care of business against an Illinois team who you should have driven into the ground last year, and then we all remember what happened that game. So there are a lot of unknowns. If the Gophers can take advantage of a lot of the unknowns and turn those into positives, I see a very successful season. If they can't, I think we're going to be griping at the end of the year about missed opportunities. So where do you come down? Are you gonna, are you gonna 
mentally throw in uh, for an optimistic season, just kind of ride that middle ground? Or are you just going to set, do the very Minnesota thing, set the uh, expectation in your head low and go from there? Now, like I said, if I had to decide right now, I'd be leaning towards an eight and four. You know, I think if, if we finish seven and five, I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, I say this now, I'm not going to be yelling and shouting, <laughs> and just, but we all know, you know, after the Illinois game last year, we all wanted to throw in the season. Of course, you see what happened. Um, you know, but I, I think the potential is there, but I can't get too excited until I can see that the quarterback play has risen up to a level where it's where it's it's going to be worthwhile. If we can't get consistent quarterback play, then I think nine and three, ten and two is a pipe dream. Um, but if you know, if if one of the two of them or or both of them can show that ability and can show that ability to hit our wide receivers downfield and and let them make plays, then I'll start getting a little more excited. But I think for right now, I, I'd say you know what, I'll take an eight and four season. I'll take a you know third place Big Ten West finish. Um, some people still complain about that, but I'll be pretty happy, and it shows that we're making incremental success and and moving in the right direction. All right, I'm going to throw in for 9-3. and three. See if I change my mind by the time we actually put these predictions on paper. But I'm just going to throw in for 9-3. and three. I'm feeling that sounds fun. Let's have fun. Let's, let's do that. that. That sounds good. Obviously, Big Ten Media Day sucks up a lot of the oxygen this week, but we don't want to miss out some of the other great stuff going on in the world of Gopher Sports. Uh, Sarah Bacon one uh what was it silver in the one meter uh diving at the the world championships is that correct andy yeah uh so sarah bacon you may remember if you read our blog whatever uh she won the ncaa championship in april in the one meter springboard um and she competed for the united states in the world diving championships this week last week and this week and ended up taking second winning the silver medal in the world diving championships in the one meter springboard uh which is pretty damn impressive um she'll also compete in the three meter springboard starting thursday uh she finished third in the ncaa in that so it one meter is definitely her better event um but you never know if she can execute uh, it could be a, a pretty nice daily double um one thing to remember of course is 2020 is an olympic year so bacon is really setting herself up to finish her senior season next year at minnesota with a bang and then go off and hopefully uh qualify and lead the u.s olympic team into tokyo and see if she can uh, win an olympic medal uh representing the united states and uh, and the gophers um, and well, I guess the other thing that I wasn't paying any attention to until you wrote about it and put it on the blog today is, uh, uh, football team put out, what was it? Eight academic all Americans. Well, the football team only had three, but oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, my brain, I, I got, I got focused on the, the image that you put on the in course. Then I just shut my brain down. Uh, no, but across the cross sports, eight academic all Americans, uh, from Minnesota. Yes. The Gophers had eight academic all Americans this year, which, uh, ranks them third in all of division one, uh, behind only Stanford and Alabama. In fact, over the last five years, the Gophers have the third highest number behind both Stanford and Alabama in the country in, in academic All-Americans. Um, but they had eight from, um, from six different sports. Football had three, uh, Sam Renner, uh, who will be back for his senior season this year. And then, um, Gary Moore and Peyton Jordahl, uh, both seniors. And then, um, uh, for the uh, hockey team, Nicole Schemmel, uh, senior there, 
we had uh, Gopher gymnast Justin Karstadt, Kylie Sabin, who uh, threw both shot and discus for the track team, um, April Bakken for the women's soccer team, uh, Gopher women's swimmer Chantal Knack, also all, all named. Um, it just shows that, you know, not only is Minnesota really starting to do great, do great things throughout the sports world, athletically but academically um you know the the u in their press release pointed out that they set academic records for the uh, highest total semester grade point average in the spring semester at 3.29 the highest total cumulative grade point average for a year at 3.27 and the new highest total athlete graduation rate at 93 percent so um not only are the are the gophers doing great athletically but academically which is what really in the long term really matters and and they're doing uh impressive things there especially with the I'm, new land lake center i'm going to take that 93 percent graduation rate as a sign that my nine and three prediction is totally accurate that's see i, I was able to tie it all together look at that that was that wasn't that was nifty. Nope. Just, I'm just going to plug one more thing that's on the blog, too, um, in case you haven't taken a look and you're listening to this before. But um, SB Nation as a whole and the Daily Gopher were joining in with a, with a thing called uh, SB Nation Fan Pulse, where basically we want you to sign up and uh, you get to put in your own college football top 25 every week of the season. Uh, basically, we want Gopher fans to rank their college football top 25. We'll compare what Minnesota fans think compared to what Wisconsin fans think to basically all the other college uh, schools in the country and all the votes will be tabulated into a full SB Nation Top 25 that will come out and be compared to the AP poll and everything like that. So um, sign up if you haven't yet. You've got time, obviously, before the season starts, but we want as many people to get it because obviously the more people we get, the better statistical set of numbers we'll have. Um, and, and every week we'll be able to uh, we'll be able to post what Minnesota fans think compared to the nationwide average and see, you know, just how just how homer we are when it comes to both Minnesota and, and the rest of the Big Ten. Um, I'm, I'm sure you know we'll have a, a much greater opinion of how Minnesota's doing and a, and a much uh, downward look towards uh, teams like Wisconsin and <laughs> Iowa compared to some of the other schools may rank them nationwide but uh, hashtag, hashtag never rank wisconsin yes so so please uh, sign up because like i said we want to try and have a good nice statistical set so it, uh, it was just on the on the website on wednesday you've got plenty of time to do it but uh we'll be harassing you for the next month or so to try and, and <laughs> join and, and uh you know try and make this uh, a worthwhile endeavor for everybody oh and on that uh friendly neighborly notes uh, thank you again for joining us for the beginning of uh, season three of the Sky U podcast. Looking forward to uh, talking with you every week or talking to you every week uh, moving forward. So go Gophers, Sky U Ma, row the boat. <laughs>